0: Hello and welcome to this episode of The Standout Show. Today, I'm really excited to have a very glamorous and special guest, Anna Parker-Naples, on the show. Anna is a business and mindset coach who is specializing on visibility. So this is going to be a very exciting conversation on standing out, becoming visible, and what that actually really, really means. Welcome, Anna.
1: Hey, nice to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm really, really excited, especially because you're just launching your book. And and when I saw you come across my feed beautifully lipsticked up and branded so fantastically consistently, I noticed that you have an entertainment in an entertainment. You have a background in entertainment. I'm getting ahead of myself as well. So can we start off by by talking about that? Please. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So my background is as a performer. And now I'm kind of very much in this entrepreneurial and coaching space. And it, my, my work has kind of been an evolution. So before I had children, I was a stage performer. And very much, um, I loved a lot of Shakespeare and a lot of things mm-hmm. that were going on at the national kind of heavy, serious things. I had no interest in being on screen on film or TV. Like it just I didn't even want to do that. And I used to tell myself it's because it wasn't as serious, it was much more serious to be on stage and have that gravitas and have that. um, And I loved that, I do, I love being on stage. And even now I do a lot of speaking and I love being there and being in front of an audience. But actually there was a real fear about being on camera, which is really interesting in that now I am almost every single day on camera talking and having my face out there and all over the place.
0: I love that you said that, what a great way to start. Because you know what, I have a very similar backstory. Mm. I thought also the theatre is more, it's more real, it's more prestigious. It's more like if I'm a real artist and that's where it is. But actually I was terrified getting it wrong on camera. Now, for was, me, what, yeah. for me,
1: it was about people going, being able to go back and judge me. That thing of being able to pause or re- go over the bit yeah. where I failed or I'd messed up or I'd been imperfect. And that really, that really scared me. So I would tell myself and everybody else, I don't want to be in that. And of course that limited how I did as a performer, because I was closing off opportunities.
0: Totally. Now I had that too with a the theater as a fleeting moment, even if I did something wrong, well, at least it's gone. And, and people don't remember every detail, but with mm. a camera, you go back, you see, ah, see the way you said that. Mm. Rubbish, rubbish. Way, yeah, that yeah. Is, and you have to watch yourself back, right? In a in the theater, mm. I don't watch myself back. So there's one level of self-consciousness removed. Have you mm. watched yourself back on camera and cringed?
1: Yes, many times. Uh, I, 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 but now, actually, I quite like watching my lives back. And a lot of people say, don't bother doing that. But I learn more. I'm much more open to learning than I ever was. And my, my, so my performance background really then developed. And after I had children, I had this moment where I was told that I'd never walk again. And I, I thought that that was, that was going to be my reality. So I was thinking, well, how can I still be a performer, still be a mum, still earn good money and be at home. And so I entered this world of voiceover and voice acting. So I then threw myself into this whole other, other way of performing where I didn't have to be seen. So there was, I had tremendous amounts of success and I Mm -hmm. won, won awards, multiple awards for my work and was even on the red carpet in Hollywood.
0: Wow. But
1: I was still, still not seen i
0: i'm getting excited because when you said i won't walk again i've had something similar said but actually it was the word you won't work again but i've also had the words take the crutches home you'll need them said to me and actually because of that fear what happens if my body is impaired i focused on singing from an early age because i always thought if in case i couldn't walk or something happened I could always sing. So there's a little parallel
1: there as well. Oh, that's amazing. Really interesting. So for me, if I could never walk again, which was very much my reality 10 years ago, if I could never walk again, I could still use my voice and I could still perform and I could still be recognized for my talent and recognized for my ability that I could still be at home disabled in the wheelchair um, yeah. and, and protecting myself in that way.
0: And so what's behind that is, is a real desire to be out in the world and to be expressing yourself or what is it for you
1: so when I was I I talk about this in my book when I was five years old I can remember sitting in assembly and being told that the special children in our school very special children in our school had been chosen months ago to be in a performance that was going to be performed for our county and they'd been rehearsing it and they'd been on tour effectively and these were these were my peers And I hadn't been selected. And there was only a few who, there was maybe three children in my year group. And I can remember sitting there thinking, I can do that. Why haven't I been chosen? Why am I overlooked? Nobody sees my potential. And that, I talk about this really early on in my my book. What decisions did I make about the fact that I wasn't noticed and that I wanted to be recognised? And, but at the same time, I became aware that actually I'm really, I was really good at speaking out loud in class. I loved it if I had, you, you know, when you're you're five and you're in class and you've all got to read aloud a sentence. I would love it if it came to my turn. But at the same time, I'd be a little bit embarrassed by the fact that I love it and nobody else does. Yep. So that kind of push and pull. And I, ultimately, those that thoughts and that programming that I shouldn't feel comfortable being this confident then was holding me back in many many ways and I think ultimately led to that point where my I then became disabled and limited and not just physically but in how I saw my ability to have a career a creative and professional career that I loved.
0: Wow I this is we're going deep so fast which I really really love and my curious curiosity is now drawn towards the the disability piece like what does it mean you became disabled and also what, what happened?
1: So I, in my third pregnancy, I had a condition called SPD, symphys pubis dysfunction, which is very common, except that I had the the worst case that they'd ever seen. And um, my bones became damaged around my hips, my pelvis, my spine. Uh, and I I couldn't bear weight. And they had expe- I had it from nine weeks pregnant and then was in bed pretty much for 18 months. And I, I they didn't think that I would recover. I wasn't paralyzed. That wasn't true. So it's not like I ever... Um, anatomically it wasn't true that I might never recover but the doctors hadn't expected me to be back on my feet and they kind of made this one doctor made this joke don't ever expect to be wearing heels ha 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 oh, so huh. years how funny I mean how funny but years later that there I am standing on the red carpets in LA wearing the most incredible pair of heels realizing that in terms of show business Hollywood is it and yes I might I might well have been doing voice work but I was socializing and networking with people at the absolute top of a very public industry and I realized that if I can do this and I could be wearing heels and I'm recovered and I've got this level of success this level of recognition actually anyone can do it and that's that's what I'm much more interested about teaching people to do than me continuing to do it for myself and is is it an either or situation for me I felt very strongly that I'd done what I needed to do in terms of the voice work I didn't have a desire to get back on stage in terms of speaking someone else's words. I had this moment where I realized it's time for me to get on camera as me speaking what I think and what I believe. It's time for me to get behind the microphone saying my words and what I believe. And that maybe the time will come where I do want to get back on stage, but actually I'd rather be on stage. I'd rather be an international speaker where people are coming to listen to what I have to say that will impact their life rather than me telling someone else's stories um, that someone else has written.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, that also sounds incredibly familiar. I love yeah. it. That's fantastic. Okay, so so you're helping people become visible. Let's talk about that. What does it mean to really become visible? Because you know the first thing that comes to mind is, oh, we're just putting lipstick on and just do mm-hmm. Facebook Live like every day, be consistent and just talk and just be there, be out there, share your message. And personally, I'm I'm cringing at this and I'm tired of it and I can't stand this blasting out of I'm just making myself visible what are you talking about when you mean for me
1: it's about going back to what are your blocks about putting yourself out there what are your blocks about connecting with the right people in your industry what are your blocks around what you think you deserve in your industry what are your blocks around you thinking that you can or can't have the dreams or ambitions or goals that you you kind of yearn for Mm. we all do know we're full of tremendous potential but we're sitting on it so what are you telling yourself and for me it's going back to those those root limiting beliefs that you hold about yourself that you might not even realize are there but prevent you from sending out an email putting on putting on some lipstick and doing a facebook live from doing a facebook live in the first place from even putting posts on social media i believe that there are many people out there who have the ability to impact the world and impact other people's lives but they are so drawn into the story of not quite being good enough and not deserving enough and being judged that they stop then having that effect on other people yeah. and so what i'm really interested about in in is helping people get that message message out there but their message out there so they are seen so they are heard and so that they are remembered Um, and that's not necessarily about blasting all over the place and being very showy that's about being real and understanding the impact of your work if you do it in the right way
0: that sounds amazing and so what does that mean if you start understanding your limiting beliefs how do you help people overcome them
1: so I work quite closely with NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, but I look at this visibility piece. What is your fear about showing up on camera? What is your fear about going to an event that with industry leaders? What is your fear about being in a room with them? And so very, very quickly, we'll get all sorts of things like I'm not good enough. I don't belong. I don't know enough. Um, I'm an imposter. I'm a fraud. Um, I'll give you mine. And go on what's yours? Super
0: real. um mine would be if I'm in a let's say I, I want to get more into corporates and let's say I go to the board of directors and I present myself there is something that goes ah but I'm not that corporate or oh, but I'm I'm a bit more stupid I'm I've not gone through academia even though I maybe I, I could have and I should have and so yes. there's this silent kind of well I didn't really make myself into what I could have been
1: uh-huh.
0: and I feel stupid and inferior okay. So
1: that's really powerful language. And what I show people is that the language you're carrying behind each of those fears is really impacting the results that you get. So one, on the one hand, it's common and normal to have that inner critic voice telling you those things, because it's a protection mechanism that's been there for years and years and years, potentially since you were tiny, you know, six months old even. But when you think about the impact you want to have in the world you when you think about the people you want to help in the world when you think about the life you want to create for yourself and your family that's all just sitting there if you push through those beliefs then then why would you stop yourself and so i'm interested in what those blocks are what's interesting is that our subconscious is always listening to what we say, Mm. always picking up on what we say. So if you're always saying to yourself or other people and listening to it and paying attention to it, these thoughts that I'm stupid or I'm inferior, well, that's going to carry through everything you put out there or don't put out there. It's going to carry in your body language. It's going to carry in your level of connection or lack of connection in the level of rapport that you're opening yourself up to with, industry leaders So, for example in in the corporate space and once you're more comfortable with yourself and what you want to do and your purpose and the fact that you you there is so much more to you than you've currently been showing because there is and we all know it deep down then actually why can't you go into corporate and really own that space as someone who is different who is special who is unique who is passionate about helping those people in that in that room Mm -hmm. so for me my my real limitations used to be around belonging I didn't fit in wherever I went. I didn't fit in. And this was a really old programming that came from my young, my, my young life, my young childhood, but also from a moment of trauma. This is the other time when we create these new beliefs about ourselves. I was attacked when I was 16 by 20 other girls, uh, viciously violently. And as a result of that, I, I came to, to believe that I wasn't good enough, that I was going to be attacked. I was going to be rejected. Um, and, uh, and that I should protect myself from putting myself at risk. Now, in terms of my acting career, that obviously is then carrying through my body. If I'm going into auditions and yet I'm trying to protect myself from being at risk and putting myself out there, then that's going to come through in all the things I say, all the nonverbal communication, everything. So what happens if you start to to, to unravel those? So now one of the things that I made some big shifts in, in terms of neurolinguistic programming techniques, but also the conscious language that I use is that I belong wherever I choose. So if I belong wherever I choose, then it's okay if I, if, if, if for some reason there's people I don't get on with, because they're not the people I'm choosing. But if I can belong wherever I choose in terms of an industry, then I can walk into corporate and say, you know, I'm me and it's comfortable for me to be here. I'm not waiting for your approval. I'm happy being me. And as a result of changing my thinking about that, uh, I was then able to take myself to some incredible networking and conferencing events and awards galas where I knew nobody, but knew that I was passionate about what I did. And there, as a result, was then able to up-level.
0: That's fantastic. What a a beautiful story. And I wanted to add uh, another layer to it because with these, the thoughts, like I never think consciously I'm inferior or I'm... I might think I'm stupid consciously, that can happen. But never the, the, the darker thoughts, they are underneath.
1: So, so they're running everything. They're, they're, they're running so everything. So that's the
0: stuff that's running stuff, but I, I want to put it out there. That's not necessarily what we are telling ourselves. It's, it's what's running underneath, which underneath is why this it. is so vicious. And it's really important to see it and then to unravel it and to get that deeper understanding that I hear you got
1: for yourself that then allows you to step into that space. Yeah. So my work, we we work on that. We work on that visibility piece. What is it that's preventing you getting out there? How can we shift that? And those those shifts can be quick. Once you have you, you see yourself in a different way, you see that decisions you made at moments of trauma or moments in your life, mm-hmm. earlier life, that there are other decisions you could have made about yourself. Therefore, it's not the truth. It's not just. That thing that you are, there are many other facets that you could have looked at instead, other decisions you could have made. That then opens you up to possibility. So then in terms of visibility, once you, once you believe that you can craft your own credibility, can craft your own sense of deservedness through your words, your thoughts, your actions, what, what do you need to do strategically to build your authority within your space mm. without letting that imposter syndrome overtake you?
0: I like that. And so what what is for you the link between being seen and then generating the business that you want?
1: So there is some element about understanding in terms of marketing what you need to do, particularly in this new wave of social media where we can reach thousands and thousands, if not millions of people with video with audio with our marketing with our message how we harness people together potentially in Facebook groups potentially we build a little tribe that follow us on LinkedIn. It's working out the mechanisms that the language that needs to speak to them that also resonates with with you and your story and your backstory and who you are. So instead of for example Evelyn you talked about the corporate thing instead of going oh I'm I've not been corporate and I'm not educated and therefore I might be inferior. Well what happens if you look at the other story? Where actually you bring a whole wealth of knowledge, of confidence knowledge, yeah. of performance knowledge, of your entire backstory, our entire catalogue of story makes you yeah. the person to teach the thing in that particular room. It's a really different energy.
0: Exactly, yeah. And if
1: you start to work one, one, and work that story out for yourself. But it's not a story. It's real. It's just a different version of the truth that you've not looked at before but two you then sharing that on social media you're connecting with the right people you're strategic about where you want to be in your industry you're strategic about who you want to have as your peers as, as the people you connect with then over time this kind of ripple effect happens where People know about you. You're clear about what you offer and who you help, and people can know about you. And you become that standout expert in your area because you are the person that reminding people, "This is who I am. This is what I do."
0: Yeah, and it's really it's fascinating how our minds work. Like that, my mind would compare itself with the mind of the CEO. I'm not trying to be the CEO. I'm trying to help help him express himself as a human being, which is what I'm an expert at, not him. So it's but it's but it's fascinating how still we do jump and and. I hope I'm not the only one, but we jump and make conclusions and compare ourselves with the wrong things. And it's, yeah, it's fascinating when we pull that apart. Right.
1: So I think about it in terms of a, an old set of filing cabinets that we've had experiences in our younger years and those are now running the program. They're they're habitual. We do things in a particular way. We see the world in a particular way because we've been running those programs And I like to think we have these old filing cabinets. For some reason, they're these vintage things there with all the runners hanging off and there's papers stuffed and it's overflowing. And that is essentially what our minds look like until we start to do some of this mindset work. And the mindset work and the NLP work is about saying, okay, what are my blocks? What is it tied to? What language am I using about myself? And what do those particular words and phrases really mean? What else are they attached to in this messy filing cabinet? And for me, this work is about saying, well, actually, if I know that I want to put myself out there more, I want to have more success, impact, influence, income. Well, actually what my fears around having those, and often it will be, I'm inferior if I'm, or even I'm, uh, if I get that level of success, I'm going to be rejected. My mom's not going to love me if I'm going to become arrogant, if I earn too much money. And so we're holding ourselves back because those, those underlying thoughts, those words we're using about fear and success and rejection are are stuffed into this messy filing cabinet Mm -hmm. so what i'm interested in is when you're very intentional about the language that you use and you're using language to support what you do really want without letting that inner critic voice come in or not letting it dominate you then your filing cabinets become streamlined they're maybe color-coded and you've got rid of loads of papers and you've shredded it and it's all that rubbish that you're saying about yourself that you've had for maybe 30 40 years you've got rid of because you understand actually that all the things that are holding you back were just a choice but so often we don't see the choice because we're so locked in our patterns
0: yeah that makes sense now what what comes to my mind is that the NLP approach and this in the filing cabinets they Mm. seem to me quite structured models and I I like to talk in the terms of masculine and feminine uh, feminine, Mm. even though it's not about the gender but where's where's for you the side where our creative nature where the chaos the flow the
1: unpredictable
0: the the stuff that we don't understand comes in.
1: So for for me, it's about opening yourself up to adventure and opportunity. And this is something I was really bad at before. So I would say that's not for me because that's it was a very black and white thinking. That's not for me. That couldn't possibly work. They're not interesting to me. They couldn't possibly get me where I want to go. Mm -hmm. Whereas actually now I'm much more open and everything's, I don't want to say gray. Everything's much more colorful, if you like. And I'm prepared to invest in time in relationships that I don't know or or connections that I don't know where they're going to go, but they're exciting and they interest me. Um, I'm prepared to give things a go and see where that's going to take me. I'm much more, um, open to seeing potential as opposed to saying that's a closed door or that door isn't for me I'm not even trying
0: okay and and in terms of let, let's say the, the other the other side of that is the vulnerability side the way it's not so great the way it's murky waters and we just can't really get a grip on things are you are you still hanging out in that space as well or is that So
1: that happens i'm human so we we have ups and downs we have we have those times i i get overwhelmed sometimes i have to step back sometimes particularly uh, when i'm hormonal once a month my thoughts do go a little bit rocky and sometimes i'll let myself sit in that space i just you know i want to sit in bed with a bar of chocolate and a hot water bottle and feel rubbish but i'm now aware that as soon as i want to i can change my thoughts and my language to make it to become more empowered to go after what I want. Um, and and it's about catching what I say, but it's not like you do this work once and then you're perfect. It's a, it's a process that you have to come back to again and again and again.
0: Yeah. Got it. So what would you say as a, as a tip for our viewers and listeners, what can people take away from our conversation and do for themselves now to, to become more, not just more visible, but to dare, to do the thing that they want to do and show up in the world.
1: So I think it's about working out what are those what are those things that that inner critic is potentially saying, or that sit behind that inner critic voice. What's the real fear? Because it's when you get to grips with what that fear is about being belonging not belonging being rejected not being enough when you get to grips with that and you realize that's not actually true there's normally a story there's normally a couple of incidences that 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 is that come to mind so it could be something in your childhood it could be something that happened to you as a young adult what story what was the event that happened that made you feel that way what could decision you, did you
0: make this is super interesting could you make that real for me maybe with an example from your own so, experience so for
1: example what I talk about in my book is When I was seven years old, I went on Brownie camp. And at the time I spent a lot of time writing. I was always writing something, making my own pretend magazines. When Mm -hmm. I got to Brownie camp, I discovered that there was a camp newspaper and I couldn't get there fast enough. And I was assigned to be a journalist on my first day. And I was assigned to go and watch the rifle shooting. And the rifle shooting initially, I couldn't wait to do it because I just wanted to get it done, shoot the rifle, go and write the article. But the training had been really long-winded there had been lots of safety things and he'd been really dry and disinterested and uh i wrote this article and it was in print and i can remember i bought five copies that i was going to post home to my mum and i was writing the next article that evening ready for the next print and as i was sitting in the newsroom with my electric typewriter i'm sitting around the edge the young man who would he was probably only 16 17 maybe 18 himself but to me he's an adult in authority he comes into the room realizes there's an article in the newspaper doesn't realize i'm there talking to his friend realizes there's this article in the newspaper about his rifle shooting but of course the first thing i've written is that it was boring because it was so he then not knowing that I'd written it, says this person should never be allowed to write. How dare they say that? It's safety instructions. How dare, how ignorant are they? Their opinions shouldn't be shared. And on and on and on he went. So as that seven-year-old child writing the next day, I've got newspapers to send home to my mother. What did I do? I shrank. (laughs) I just went, played some, I can even now just talking about it, feel my face, just that red creeping embarrassment and shame crawling up my face. And I didn't take the newspapers. I sat there until he had left. And then I said, I felt sick and I went home and I went, I actually, I think I left the camp early saying that I was ill and I stopped writing. And my belief at that point was I can't write. I'm not good enough because it had been so traumatic for me. As an adult, when I investigated decisions like this, why am I saying I can't write? What is this about? And actually, I was very good at school. So I even did English literature A-level. So when I got good praise for creative writing, I couldn't take it. That's rubbish. I discounted it. It's imposter syndrome. Discounted the praise. It must be rubbish because I'm, I'm rubbish. But as an adult, as I became aware of this mindset work and what this meant, I realized I'd made a decision in that room. I wasn't a writer. And I should be ashamed to be creative and ashamed to speak up.
0: Okay. So ashamed to speak
1: up and ashamed to share my opinion. Somebody else could have made the decision at age seven to stand up and say, actually, that's unfair. You're not, you're not being the kind. Someone else, another version of me could have seen, actually I've just criticized him and he's wounded. This isn't about me. Another version of me could have used that as fuel to say, you know what, I can write and I'm going to be a published author at age eight. Because you could do that. Like, that, was, that was also a choice I could have made. So to revisit this incident and think, what did I decide? What did I do as a result? And what were my other options that weren't options right there because I was hurting and I was ashamed? But what, what are the other possibles? There were always other options you could have taken for any other reason, but for for any other event. But so at that point I decided I wasn't a writer and it was actually, it took me about another 30 years. I was on a flight back from New York and I was chatting to someone and I was saying, uh, chatting to a lady who happened to be a business coach. And I was saying, well, I, you know, I'm not a writer. And she said, you've just told me that you write a blog. And I said, that's different. That's about business. And she said, but that's creative writing. And it was, and I kept saying, I'm not a voice. She said, well, what's this about? And it was this, this, this very vivid memory of shame. It was the, the color of that redness, that heat rising up my face. And we've all had moments like that. Oh, yeah. We've all had moments where someone's told us we're too loud. We're too much. We shouldn't speak up or we have said the wrong thing or our creativity isn't enough, or it's been disregarded or denigrated in some way. And that's an expression of who we are. So we make beliefs about who we are based on other people's reactions to us. And what if we unravel that? What if we unravel that? And that's what fascinates me. Fabulous. That so that's, point, something, that's something that people can uh, start playing with
0: at, at home, in the comfort of your own homes, to go back to a story, a yeah. decision that you've made about yourself and go, where does it come from? And what other decisions yeah. could be made now? Because
1: you can change your yeah. decisions at any time. Yeah. But it's recognizing what that, <clears throat> that core belief has come from. Where is it? And it, it doesn't have to be a core belief anymore. And I, I talk, talk people, take people through all of this um, in, t- in my book, Get Visible. There's lots of exercises. It's a business and mindset book, but it's, it's very practical. I want, you to get, I want you to have these moments where you realize, oh my goodness, I've been thinking this for so long. <clears throat> Someone wrote to me yesterday to say she'd realized as a result of reading a couple of chapters of the book that her mother had always wanted her to be quiet. And actually, she's a very naturally uh, flamboyant character. But she'd hidden that. And she had believed for a long time that this was the reason that she was problematic wherever she went. And in her corporate life, she was problematic. So what happens if you believe that about yourself? Yeah. And it's
0: not true. So fascinating. I
1: could talk about this for absolutely
0: hours, but we won't. So very clear, we all need to get the book, which I think a book is the most generous offering you can make to people I love books because you've been sitting there for months or maybe even years bringing all this information together so I can have this and conveniently digest it within a few hours it's so generous and it costs hardly
1: nothing so thank you for writing a book it's a thank you it's it's a real act of visibility of real uh, courage and vulnerability to get your story out there because I have had in order to I guess, affect people and show them what I've managed to achieve. I have been very open about some of my limiting beliefs and how I used to see the world. And that's a really vulnerable thing because you don't know who's going to read it, right. but I make that choice that that's how I want to impact the world. That's how I want to show up.
0: I love that. I really, really like and resonate with that. Thank you so much, oh. Anna. Oh, it's been a great pleasure to have you here on the show for everyone else. Please. Uh, Send us your comments about how you found this and if you found this useful. And of course, get the book. We'll put a link about where to get it and what it's called, of course, below. Have a wonderful day and good luck with the rest of the launch, Anna. Thank you so much. Thanks Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Remember everyone, it is a wonderful time to be seen on screen.